0: Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're here. This month, we're using Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, and uh, you had the pleasure of uh, licensed practitioner, Marilyn Sprague, kicking it off last week. She did a great job of explaining the basics to you. She talked about the essential oneness of the universe. She also talked about the essence of true belonging, which is presenting our authentic selves to the world. Not Just fitting in, not just trying to go along and make people happy, uh, but actually stepping up in our communities and in our world with our authentic ideas and values on the surface. So today I plan to build on that, but I also think it's important to talk about something really topical that's going on right now. And it, it consumes the third chapter of the book, in fact, because I don't know about you, but things don't seem all that unified to me right now. The the book may be about essential unity. The book may be about this idea of of coming together in our essential spiritual oneness. But but I got to tell you, the world at large right now seems almost the opposite of that. And so I want to I want to take that by the horns today and talk about it a little bit. In fact, uh, she calls it a spiritual crisis. And let me. Let me read why she says this is a spiritual crisis. First of all, you have to understand how she defines spirituality. She says, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us, and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. I absolutely go along with that definition of spirituality, and so of course we're in a spiritual crisis right now because that is not how we're approaching one another. It's not really how we're approaching life. I wanna talk a little bit more about this idea of what is pulling us apart before we start talking about what's putting us together. Chief among the ideas of what's pulling us apart though is something that you probably aren't that familiar with it, and I think the best way to explain it is with a joke. (laughs) So a businessman decides to leave city life behind. He had spent his entire career working late hours at a stressful job for bosses he hated and decided simply to give it all up. So he buys a large ranch in central Montana and spends his days raising livestock, maintaining fences, engrossing himself in the new setting. Well, for a time, very content, But as the weeks pass, loneliness begins to settle in. He feels isolated. He feels separate from the the land and the people around him. He begins to wonder if he made a mistake, leaving the hustle and bustle of city life behind. But then, one day, a knock at the door. Well, it's a hunched-over, unwashed old-timer he extends a dirty hand. Yeehaw! exclaims the old fellow with a grin. Welcome to the neighborhood. Pleased to meet you. I'm throwing a welcoming party at my place tonight, and you're invited. There's going to be drinking, there's going to be fighting, and I think there's going to be some loving. Well, the businessman's jaw drops. But he's kind of taken aback a bit, but also just feeling touched by the old-timer's offer of a welcoming party. Wow, that sounds amazing, he says. It's so long since I've even seen anyone. What can I bring to the party? The old man replies, well, shoot, bring whatever you want. It's just going to be you and me. (laughs) All right, so you didn't see that one coming, you have to admit. So it's loneliness. She says the number one issue facing us today that's actually driving us apart is loneliness. And she even talks about some statistics. I bet you didn't know that loneliness is actually a cause of ill health. So here are the statistics around that. Living with air pollution increases early deaths by 5%. Living with obesity increases early death by 20%. Excessive drinking, 30%. But guess what? Loneliness increases the likelihood of an early death by at least five years. In 40% of the cases, people who are systematically lonely have health outcomes that are not standard. Now, notice she makes the difference also between the idea of being lonely and being alone big difference here, right? We're not talking about people who just choose to live alone. We're not talking about people who enjoy their own company, as my grandfather <laughs> used to say. Yep. I, I remember uh, we'd have a big family dinner for Thanksgiving or something like that and then Grandpa would enjoy that and then pretty much s- as soon as dinner was over, he'd like go out on the patio or, or or take himself out of the big group and I remember asking him one time, well, what's that about? And he said, well, no offense, but I just really <laughs> enjoy my own company. (laughs) So that's not loneliness. That's that's choosing to have more of a lifestyle, not around other people. But true loneliness can happen whether you're with other people, whether you're by yourself. It can happen in the big city as in the joke. It can happen out in the countryside where you truly are by yourself. So what is this about loneliness? If we're isolating, what's causing that? Part of it is fear and I do want to talk about this idea of fearfulness for a moment. One of the things I think that happens for many of us is we're fearful around trying new things and we're also fearful around confronting other people about issues that are up. And of course right now in America, what issue isn't up, right? (laughs) And so one response to that is, sadly, isolation. In fact, I remember as a kid, my mom said, well, if you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. Did anyone, was anyone else raised by my mother? Okay, <laughs> I thought there were at least one or two of you, right? And so when we're presented with the the varieties of opinion and people really standing on their soapboxes these days about what people should do and how people should behave and what's wrong with government and so on and so forth, if you come from that group of folks that is a little hesitant to enter into the conversations when they become heated, we tend to pull away. We tend to be a little on the isolating and isolated side. So one of the things we have to do, I think, is to overcome our fear of just somehow the interaction going poorly. Now, does that mean that all of the interactions will go well? Oh, I wish I could say that, (laughs) right? I wish I could say that. But it isn't a call for us really to step back. It might be a call for us to show more compassion. It may be a call for us to be more careful about how we present our views. But it's not a call to step back from life. When we step back from life, when we become that isolated person, when loneliness creeps in, it's not only bad for the community as a whole, but literally sickens us. So do consider in your own life, if you're pulling back from people because of some of the political heat that's on, if you're pulling back from being in your community because you're worried or fearful of what other people will say about your opinions, please don't step away from life. When we pull ourselves back from life, literally, life will pull itself away from us. And we can't afford that. The other thing, though, that perhaps is even more important that we talk about is something that we talked about all last month. All last month we talked about using the law of attraction. And oh my gosh, it is the remedy for so many things. We use the law of attraction, of course, to bring more abundance into our life, to bring more love into our lives. We use the law of attraction to to find people and things that are pleasing to us, to have the ideal living situations and jobs and so on. And of course, as you remember, the law of attraction simply says that, that the course of our thoughts will tend to attract to you what those thoughts are. So if we're thinking of love, if we're thinking of joy, if we're thinking of peace, we're going to get to see that reflected and attracted into our life. So that's the good news about the law of attraction. Who knew it had a dark side? (laughs) The trouble with the law of attraction is we don't just turn it on now and then when it suits us. It's not just when we're thinking of love and light and joy and peace that the law of attraction comes into effect. The law of attraction is always operating through the vibes that we put off, through the thoughts that we have, through our own system of values. And so it's constantly attracting into us Other people and other ideas that tend to match up with the thoughts and values that we have. Okay, now really, I'm still on the good side of things, right? Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a group of people that are like-minded. There's nothing wrong with drawing to you people that you'll feel comfortable with. But over time, you may find yourself surrounded by people who look like you, who have the same values as you, who are in the same socioeconomic strata as you, roughly the same age as you. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now, even this in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. The bad thing doesn't happen until we add in the human nature of competition and judgment. So far, we're on even ground. But if we believe in competition, that some people must win and some people must lose, if we believe that resources are constrained so that only a few of us can live the good life, you're going to want the good life to go to people like you. You see the trouble here? So this law of attraction that we have loved, this law of attraction that is so useful in bringing us what we want, the good parts of life, are also bringing a sameness of life to us. We are literally drawn to us on an ongoing basis the patterns of our thoughts, and people who have similar patterns in their thoughts very attracted to you. In fact, have you ever had the experience of nearly a perfect stranger? You'll feel drawn to them, and you'll compare notes, and it's like you could've gone to high school with them. It's almost like they're best friends with you, even though you just met them in a train station or something. It's the law of attraction. Literally, the vibes you're putting and I know I'm dating myself when I say the vibes you're putting out, but I can't help it. There's probably some other better, more modern way of saying it, but, but literally the energy and the vibes you're putting out are drawing in the people who have the similar energy and vibes and values and so on. So it's a great thing and it's a terrible thing when we start using discrimination and judgment and the idea of constrained resources to apply outwardly to people who are not like us. Do you see how this is a problem? What I know about the universe is it is full of issues ripe for humanity to solve. Right now, as never before, the planet is in trouble. Right now, as ever before, the differences between the people who have and the people who have not have never been greater. Right now, on the planet, the distribution of resources is so very lopsided. And these are only issues that can be solved when people of all different kinds are coming to the table with their own unique and different values. It isn't going to be cured by a bunch of people who all look the same and have the same beliefs. They will, without even trying, without even thinking that someone else might suffer, they're going to do what's in their best interest. And of course, if you look back in history, you know, we're talking about the formation of white privilege. We're talking about a lot of very uncomfortable things that have come about through this negative use of the law of attraction. Okay, uh, enough of the bad news. I should have another joke ready. Unfortunately, I don't. Let's, pl- let's plunge on. So it's not the natural part of the law of attraction, though, right? Do you see that? The law of attraction is simply taking what's in our head and pulling more of it towards us. So all we have to do, really, is not add in that judgment factor. All we have to do is not add in that idea of scarcity or competition. The law by itself is just fine. It's only when we conclude, oh, well, for me to come out on top, someone else has to be down at the bottom. It's only when I think that for me to have my own good, I have to put walls around me to to keep it in and tight and and useful only to me. It's only when I start having that sense that somehow I deserve more, so therefore someone else needs to deserve less, that's when the misuse of this law comes into effect. Mm that's when we begin doing unto others not as we would wish ourselves treated, but on some weird corporate ladder where for people to be on top, there have to be people on the bottom. So how do we handle this? Since we know it's not a natural part of the law of attraction, it's something that we humans are adding on to the top of it, how can we, in our humanness, begin addressing this idea? Well, first of all, we talked a little bit ago about that fear, right? Fear is what's driving this, of course. The fear of those people we don't know. The fear of situations we haven't encountered before. The fear that people's differing values might be so different to us that it would cause us harm. First of all, we have to let down those guards and actually meet some of these people, enjoy some of these people, celebrate some of these people that are different from us. The other thing we need to keep in mind is our values are just values. They're not right and wrong. Who here likes to come out right? Have you ever, will anyone besides me kind of admit that? Gosh, only five of us. Well, that's the good, that's the 06. All right, thanks. I mean, there's something natural when we get into a fray or a discussion with other people. Doesn't it feel satisfying when you're right? (laughs) I mean, I mean, it does. I have to admit it. I I admit it for my own part that when I'm in a kind of a verbal fray with someone, I like to prove my point and often I'm pretty good at it. And I would say that maybe isn't my strength. I would like you to consider that our different values really aren't right and wrong. And when I get up on my soapbox to, to argue my case for, well, gosh, you name it these days, right? We're, we're in verbal uh, spats back and forth around everything from, from gun control to immigration and back and forth, right? There's like a million different things that are really important to people right now, and we all want to be right. And the trouble is, when it comes right down to it, their opinions, their opinions, I'm getting the glassy, needle-eyed stare from some of you. A few of you are ready to take me on, (laughs) and that's okay, that's okay. Our opinions, of course, okay. And what Brene Brown is actually saying is it's important that we express our opinions. We need to be able to stand in the truth of who we are and what we stand for. We need to be able to speak with some eloquence around the issues and the ideas and the values that are important to us. And we also need to make clear that it's what's important to us, that it is our opinion That it is a value that we hold and we honor other opinions that will equally be held by other people. And that's the trouble with being right all the time. If we're always needing to be right, we're going to miss out on a whole lot of the good stuff of life. Because there isn't right and wrong, there isn't black and white, not, not on issues of this scale for the world. There are as many flavors as there are people. There are as many opinions as there are people. Do you see the trouble with this? The, the innate trouble with needing to prevail in rightness is that we're tromping over every other <laughs> individual on the planet, basically. And so part of this is learning how to present ourselves a little better. Part of this is not backing away. Remember we started with this discussion of loneliness is because we've backed away. We don't want to back away. We want to be able to be on Facebook and be at dinner parties and be with our friends and, and be with people that we don't even know and stand in the beauty of what's true and valuable to us and at the same time, We want to extend the hand, literally extend the hand to understanding other people's perspectives and point of views. So even as we stand in our truth and let people know what's important to us, we do it in a way that isn't uh, standing on the soapbox, isn't trying to convince them that we're right and you see the finger pointing. (laughs) Don't you just hate that? And yet when you get in an argument with someone and you're wanting to be right, it's as though the finger were out all the time. And and of course, you're going to get that resistance. You're going to get that pushback because... You're saying that your way has to be the way. So how do we take that softer approach? I recommend going into it with the idea of inviting the other person. I'm always going to be inviting the other perspective. I know that for this, this universe to come out well, we all have to participate, so I wanna, I wanna find out what your participation is. What's important to you? What, what is your contribution here? I may or may not agree with it, and that will be fine with me. I enter into the discussion with the idea not that my way needs to be proven to everybody, No, quite the contrary. My way perhaps needs to be understood so that we can get along well together. You wanna know, I hope, what my values are so that we can compare notes on how to make the world a better place, not not compare our differences so that we can better arm ourselves for war. Right. I think that that is where we are right now, using the law of attraction. We've built our little silos of people that believe this way and people that believe that way and people that make this much amount of money and people who look a certain way or live in a certain part of town. We've divided ourselves up into little silos of people that uh, that have attracted themselves together because they have common values. And right now what's going on is we're looking over there saying, oh, look at that. They believe in that and that and that and that. We need to tell them the right way to do things. Instead, I'm not saying we have to change what's gone about by the law of attraction, but it should be more like, wow, look over there. I bet we could learn a whole lot from people that have that different perspective. I bet if we put a whole bunch of different people together, we would come up with solutions that have never been thought of before on the planet. When we stay in our own silo, what are the chances someone's gonna have a breakout idea? We all think the same, right? There aren't gonna be any breakout ideas. It'll just be, you know, what, what color sweatpants do you like? And we're all wearing sweatpants, right? There aren't gonna be any breakout ideas. It's when we invite the whole community to participate. Oh my God, the synergy that can happen. So last week, Marilyn Spray gave you some excellent homework. In fact, I've been doing it all week. It was the idea of giving yourself a pass, a whole pass, if you like. And I would like to add on to that. The idea of the pass is you get a free pass to do something a little edgy, to think something a little different, uh, to be a little new, and where before, that little voice in you might have said, oh, who are you to think you can step out of line? Who are you to think you can achieve something wonderful? Marilyn's idea is, no, I have the hall pass. I can do that. I can make an exception. I have permission from the universe to try that out. So I would like to give you all a hall pass this week, to find someone new to have a conversation with. If you're willing to take me up on my homework for this week, you have a hall pass to find someone who's very different than you and practice sharing your values with each other. So again, we're gonna stand in our own truth. We're not gonna be hesitant to say what's important to us and what you value. But we're gonna do that from the perspective of true interest and curiosity about what the other person values and what is true for them. Makes sense? Some of you are giving me the needle eyes again. But, but I mean, really, you have lots of opportunities. I mean, even people right here in this room, uh, some of us probably have never had anyone in our family as part of the armed services. And we had some, some, some wonderful people who, who served in the military here. Maybe you wanna talk to them about what it's like being of service in that way to your country. There are people here in the room of different ethnic and socio-economic uh, backgrounds. Maybe you want to use the social time after the service to strike up some new conversations. It doesn't have to be scary. The idea is genuinely you're curious. Genuinely you would like to see what's different about people rather than what's the same about people. You know, all this month we're talking about unity. We've had songs about unity. And the only way we achieve unity is actually through diversity. The The only way we we really find out that universal truth is when all the voices are heard. When everyone gets to participate. Well, I'm going to close with a reading from the book and a prayer. She says, in the remainder of this book, we're going to look at how we can reclaim human connections and true belonging in the midst of sorting ourselves out we have to find our way back to one another or fear will win like all meaningful endeavors that's going to require vulnerability and the willingness to choose courage over comfort then instead of yelling from afar and refusing to help each other when all of us are struggling we will find the courage to show up with each other in compassion. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one unity of all things, every person, every place, everything, every situation, part of the unity that is God. And what I know about this unity is it individualizes itself in each one of us. So so each one of us, we, we think of ourselves as different, as separate, as unique, and of course that's true. And the bigger picture is the infinite connections we have with each other as part of God, as part of spirit. And so on this day, I, I say that it's time for me to begin leveraging this unity. It's time for me to begin finding out more about the people who are different than me. It's time for me to begin collaborating with people who are different for me. It's time to recognize that to solve the problems of this universe, I've got to give up my solitary existence. I, I, I need to be willing to both stand up for what's true for me and welcome in the other. Literally welcome in the other ideas, other opinions, other values, because that is what the collaboration of life is truly about. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I recognize this, uh, this chance for a reformed America, this, this chance for, for putting to rest some of the strife and trouble in the world as we come together, as we come together. I see hope, I see love, I see joy, I see compassion. So I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say and so it is thank you so much for being here today thank you thank you so much we hope you enjoyed today's podcast if you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area we'd love to have you visit in person The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.